Welcome to Sideline Sleuths, a true crime podcast all about the tragic yet fascinating cases no one can seem to get enough of. I'm Megan. And I'm Jasmine. We're so glad you're listening. If you like being an armchair detective, you'll love being a sideline sleuth. Today we're going to talk about the mysterious death of a Delaware man named Everett Palmer Jr., who died quite suspiciously while he was an inmate at the York County Jail in Pennsylvania. We're doing Delaware again? No, it's Pennsylvania, but he's just from Delaware. Oh, okay. Yeah, but that would... I was excited. Yeah. So well, this time was nice. Yeah, and we were like, we know nothing about Delaware. Well, now we know something else. So, but before we get started on today's story, I want to take a moment to address something. So after we did two episodes and mentioned the Black Lives Matter movement, we got two negative reviews that said we were pandering or whatever. Yeah. Okay. And basically they were just being haters. So. Yeah. Also, I would like to say, how can I pander to... I'm actually black. It's my life. It wasn't pandering. It was authentic. Yeah. I think it's really hard to ignore... Like, if this is literally what occupies my thoughts and conceivably a lot of people's thoughts right now, um, that it's... I mean, we're teachers. If something's going on in the world, I stop what I'm doing and I talk about yeah, it. Yeah, so teachable moments. Yeah. yeah. So here we are. I mean, if you love Sideline Sleuths and you appreciate, you know. Yeah, let us, us know. Yeah, yeah. We'd appreciate if you let us know. Ratings and reviews help other people find our show. And those two took our overall rating down. Like, we had five stars and now it's 4.5, which is not a big deal because. It's not, but, you know, teachers are perfectionists. So if you haven't already. <laughs> rated and reviewed our show please do that now it would mean a lot to us because i really want my five stars back especially because it wasn't even like a it wasn't even a genuine like feedback it was just like pandering yeah, next yeah mm. so i like yeah if you have some real feedback about improvement like let me know but um and we take it into consideration that doesn't mean we change anything but we we listen to you like and <laughs> then we, before and too. then we yeah we have listened yeah when people are like you guys are like kind of hard to hear we will talk louder but if just pandering next is not helpful because it's BS. Yeah. If so. you don't like us because we care about black people, I'm just say that. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, if, you, if you don't like just our show it. because we're not racist, have some balls and leave that in the review. <laughs> like, Jasmine and Megan like black people. So, anyway. Jasmine is black people. <laughs> right. Can we not forget this, guys? <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, back to Everett. On April 7th, 2018, he went to jail to turn himself in for a DWI from 2016. But even that kind of isn't all the way true. That's just like, that was like what was said in general, but there's like a lot more to that story. So he turns himself in and two days later, he's dead. I first heard about this case when one of my former students, hi Kaylee, shared something about it on Facebook and after researching it, I have come to the conclusion that Pennsylvania is a scary place. Like, no disrespect, my almost my entire extended family lives there. My dad was born and raised in Pittsburgh, and I really like it, but I'm also terrified because do you remember the mysterious uh-huh. death of Jonathan Luna? I was going to say that. That scared me about Pennsylvania. Yeah, so that happened in Pennsylvania. And then the mysterious and alleged suicide of Ellen Greenberg that was Pennsylvania. Also was Pennsylvania. Too. So that was these were both weird suicides, quote suicides. suicides. Yeah. So if you don't remember Jonathan Luna, he like 
was living and working in Maryland. And then all of a sudden he goes back to work after going home and then drives to a whole other state. And, and zigzags they zigzags here and there. Yeah, he like the makes toll, all these weird stops, the using a toll tag, using cash, blood in the car. And they were like, and he stabbed himself a kajillion times. And then Ellen's was 20, like, and stabbed. Like in the back. Yeah, like, yeah. in weird places or, like, shredded skin between your fingers. Yeah, these are the things that haunt my dreams. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then Ellen's was, she, like, stabbed herself 20 times in the back of the neck or something crazy. I remember the the visuals you provided. Yeah, oh, yeah. So. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget that that's burned into my memory. So, anyway, Ellen and Jonathan, both weird deaths in Pennsylvania. Everett, mysterious, Okay, but definitely not as weird as those two. But still, like, what's going on in Pennsylvania, y'all? So, let's get into the story. Here's what we know about Everett Palmer. Everett Palmer Jr. was a 41-year-old Army veteran and a father of two sons, aged 8 and 12 at the time of his death. He was born and raised in Queens, but lived in Seaford, Delaware, when this happened. So, in 2016... He got a DWI or DUI. He was driving while he was drinking in York County, Pennsylvania. And on April 7th, 2018, he went to Pennsylvania to resolve the matter. So he like, at some point, turns himself in at the York County prison. This is very confusing. How can you get a DUI but like just be gone? yeah. And then come back two years later and be like, you're right, I was gone? Yeah, I'll tell you. Okay. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right, I was gone. So I saw in an article that said something was like going on with his license or he wanted to make sure his license was valid. So he's just trying to square some things away because he was planning on traveling from Delaware to New York to visit family because his mother was sick. Okay. So he told his brother, Dwayne, that he just wanted to make sure that like there's nothing to worry about before he made that journey. So he goes to York County, and he never makes it out. Wow. Even, like Jasmine was just hinting at, even the 2016 DWI story is odd because according to Everett's brother, Dwayne, Everett somehow learned he had an outstanding warrant in 2018. Right, like, I feel like you get pulled over, you go through the whole process, you're, you know. His is like a little just... different, but like okay. he, he didn't even know he had a warrant until like a year and a half, two years later. Um, Obviously he knew he had been driving drunk, but Mm -hmm. he never received anything in the mail about like what to do next. Wow. So it happened in New York County, but for some reason, when he went to turn himself in, he turned himself in, well, he he first went to Lancaster County. Okay. Even though, and Lancaster County is where Jonathan Luna died. P.S. But, so he went to Lancaster County to figure out what was going on, and no one knows why he went there instead, but... What happened in 2016 was that his car was found wrecked with him inside of it, so he didn't get pulled over. Oh. It was like first, somebody saw an overturned car, and first responders took him to the hospital. Oh, and this was okay. October 28th, 2016. So he's flown to the hospital with a blood alcohol content level of 0. 0.148. Okay, wow. And, and the legal limit's 0. 0.08, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, point. Oh, eight. So he so was up. never like a rest. It's like he just went to the hospital and he left the hospital and then no legal action was taken, but he clearly yeah. had been drinking. So he didn't know that there, he knew I he had drunk driving, but he never got arrested for it. He never went to jail. So he didn't know that there was a warrant for him. It's like the hospital maybe shouldn't have let him go. Yeah. Or at the very least, like if they had his registration and they knew who something. the driver was and they could have sent it to the driver. Yeah. Something. It's confusing, but okay. But yeah, so like a year and a half later, he finds out he has this warrant for that accident two years before. So he's like, let me just, 
let me go take care of that. And that was the end of it. So, well, hardly. So he's booked into a single cell. So like solitary confinement right from the jump. And reports state that he became agitated within his cell and was banging his head against the door. So he had to be restrained. I'm going to get like way more into depth, like what that means. But like, basically, he's flipping out in his cell and they restrain him. And then he's taken to the York County Hospital and declared dead at 5.46 a.m. on April 9th, 2018. An autopsy concluded that he'd been physically restrained and died from methamphetamine toxicity. And his family isn't buying that. They think he was murdered. I'm just going to interject right really quickly. Who gets high on meth and then says, you know what? I would like to go take care of some legal matters, (laughs) file a lot of paperwork, and nobody does. You either want to party or you want to get your life cleaned up. I don't feel like you do those two things together. Yeah, you're right. I can't, like, let's let's smoke meth and then go to jail willingly. Yeah, Yeah, that's just, you're right. So Immediately I would have questions. So Lee Merritt. So if you know anything about me outside of this podcast, you know that I have a little bit of a crush on this man. He is a well-known civil rights attorney, and you see him in the media all the time representing families of individuals who were unjustly killed. I met him one time in 2018. I didn't know that. At a Sean King event when he was here, like, rallying for the DA for Dallas County. So I met Lee Merritt, and I had, like, a total fangirl moment. Oh, and yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, that's Lee Merritt. And like when I'm watching things on TV, I'm like, I wonder if Lee Merritt's going to come up. And then they're like, Lee Merritt. And I'm like, oh my God, there he is. I don't know if he's married or anything, but I am not, sir. So <clears throat> if you aren't either, hit me up. So Lee Merritt says it seems like a cover-up. And Everett's mother said it would have been impossible for her son to have ingested a fatal amount of meth before entering jail that day. And die two days later. And die two days later. So if you're familiar with the Kendrick Johnson story... Gotta be. Guess what? Everett's family said that when his body was returned to them after the autopsy, his throat, heart, and brain were missing. But the county says that isn't true. They weren't returned, but they weren't missing. So we'll never... Either way, these are... I don't understand arguments like this. Apparently there's a great (laughs) explanation for it, but we're never going to cover the Kendrick Johnson story because they do it on Crime Junkie. And it was great. It was great. So if you don't know that story, it's a total... Mind explosion. For real. Go listen to the Kendrick Johnson episode that Ashley and Britt do in Crime Junkie. But anyway, so Everett was missing his heart, his throat, and his brain after the autopsy. Let's talk about the autopsy, though. Okay. The autopsy report states that he had multiple abrasions and contusions on his head and limbs and two quote-unquote puncture defects on his right forearm. The autopsy report says that Everett died of complications following an excited state as a result of the quote-unquote methamphetamine toxicity, like, you know, methamphetamine toxicity, like, like he really smoked some meth and then went to jail. And also a sickling red cell disorder may have been a contributing factor in his death. Dwayne Palmer, Everett's brother, said that though their family is a carrier for sickle cell anemia, Everett didn't have it. He said that his brother was a personal trainer and in excellent health. Huh. The medical examiner officially classified Everett's manner of death as undetermined. Now, for those missing... 
Not, yes, they didn't say suicide. So it could be like homicide, suicide, natural accident undetermined. So the medical examiner didn't say suicide, didn't say homicide, didn't say natural, didn't say accident. They don't know. So let's talk about the missing organs. York County Coroner Pam Gay said that the organs were kept by the forensic pathologist for additional testing. She told CNN in an interview, quote, the lab that does our autopsies has the organs. Coroner offices don't always have a morgue or a forensic pathologist. We contract those services out. We utilize a team in Allentown. That's who retains the specimens. They don't always tell us what they retain. We made that clear to the family from the beginning, end quote. But that isn't like 100% true. Mm. When the family hired an independent autopsy, they learned that those body parts were missing. And for seven months, no one knew where they were. Apparently, when the family inquired, that same York County coroner told them to check with the funeral home. So the family did, and they didn't have them. Eventually, the coroner's office came back to say that the outside lab had those specimens and wouldn't return them due to it being an ongoing investigation. But first, they denied ever removing them, which is fishy. They were like, we don't have it. Check the funeral home. And later, they're like, oh, yeah, we, we sort of have it. Our outside contracted lab has it. And no, you can't have them back. Pam Gay went on to say that in drug-related deaths, the investigation can take one to three years. So we're still technically in that window right now where it could be changed from undetermined and like they won't give those things back. They, they have, like the other guy got to see them, the other, the new family hired pathologist. But like they were totally in that window of what how long it would normally take. Okay. They just weren't super upfront with the family about Yeah, that. they tried to throw them off the scent. Even. Yeah, they were like, oh, check the funeral home. But the independent pathologist that the family hired said that they've definitely ruled out the possibility of a suicide. And that they think the manner of death should be homicide involving physical restraint while in police custody. Okay, so so the independent... Not the county. Yeah. Says... Like the family, the family hired somebody else to do another autopsy, which has been happening a yeah. lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And totally. it's Fine. and the findings are often contradictory. So the one that the family hired said, "Well, we definitely know it's not a suicide," and they think it's a homicide. So, Everett, I think it's, can I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. It's strange to release the body for an independent autopsy, but not release the organs. Mm. I, mean, I don't. Well, they didn't, they didn't they release didn't them know, for the autopsy. They released it to the funeral home, and the family was like, "We need another autopsy." And when the guy or whoever went in to do the second autopsy, they're like, well, I can't even do it because I'm missing some pieces. So they released the body for burial, but not the organs. Gotcha. Yeah. And either did deliberately tell them they didn't know where they were yeah. or told them yeah. that it was the funeral. Gotcha. Yeah. So Everett's family said that he had used drugs in the past, but it was never meth, and that when he arrived at York County Prison, he didn't have any drugs or any drug parlor for nail... He didn't have any drugs or any drug paraphernalia on him. So he would have had to receive that fatal amount of meth while he was in jail. In solitary. Alone, yeah. How is that even possible? So, Not solitary, but in a single cell. Yeah, that's fishy. Yeah. You don't have to say nothing. Yeah, it's weird. Okay, right? It's weird. Where do you get it from? Prison processing reports made available to the family provided no indication that Everett was under the influence of any drug or had anything in his, like, It just, like, after the fact, after he already died, then they were like, well, he was agitated, he blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But coming in, like, initial reports, 
No he mention fine. he didn't have a, anything on him. You're not high on meth for two days. You're not high on meth for two days. I, I mean, know. I've never smoked meth, but, like, I'm, I'm assuming. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So, if any... How crazy of a drug would that be if you do it and, like, for... It just, like, lasts for you for days. days. Just go on a bender? That'd be, like, a really inexpensive habit if that was true, because you just need to do it sometimes. Because exactly. it's, like... Hmm. Okay. So, if he was locked up alone, he wasn't with any other inmates, he's in solitary confinement, how did he get them? And if you're wondering why he was... Because they, like, immediately put him in there. Their explanation was... Quote, when Mr. Palmer arrived at the York County Jail, he was agitated and rambling and talked about having suicidal thoughts. Oh, he was placed on suicide watch in a single-person cell, and medical staff checked on him multiple times. End quote. What? So then the medical staff doesn't understand what happened, what's up with the puncture wounds in his arm? Yeah, if you were checking on him multiple times, and he's alone. WTF. Super weird. Everett suffered from PTSD. I suffer from PTSD. But aside from that, there was no other known medical issues. So, like, a totally healthy, young 41-year-old man, two young sons, personal trainer, excellent health, decides to turn himself in on the day that he's going cuckoo? Yeah. And he's just, yeah. he enters the jail agitated? Well, there's no so agitated you that he was agitated. Yeah. No. Fishy. So... The funeral director who saw Everett's body first said that, quote, his head had been badly damaged and had a ring of black and purple bruises around his neck, end quote. So something happened to him in police custody, and it sounds very Sandra Bland-ish to me. Yeah. yeah. So if you're not familiar with that story. Also go and research that. Go down that road. I mean, I'll tell you a little bit about it. So Sandra Bland, she got, it was in Texas. She got pulled over in Waller County. Anyway, it's near Houston, and it was July of 2015. Actually, this week was the five-year anniversary of her death. So she's arrested during, like, a routine traffic stop. I think she had, like, a taillight out or didn't use a blinker or something. Okay, didn't use a blinker. And then she's later found dead in her cell. The autopsy revealed that Sandra had a, quote, remarkably high concentration of THC for someone who had been in jail for three days, leading to speculation that Bland may have had access to marijuana while in jail, end quote. With who? The walls don't just hand out drugs in jail? Yeah. I mean, they Especially sh- like your first day in yeah. jail. Yeah, you gotta make friends first. Have you seen Orange is the New Black? Or like anything? 60 days in, something, <laughs> I don't know. Straight anything. Something. So it's been said that she must have, I don't I don't know what words to use, but I think they used the word ingested in the article, but whatever. So she had a, she, they're like, she must have smoked a whole lot right before she got arrested. And a medical examiner in Tarrant County, which is local to us, kind of agreed with that. She said, quote, she had access to the drug in jail, or she was such a consistent user of the drug that her body had accumulated THC to the point that it was slowly releasing it over time, end quote. But that same person went on to say, quote, I have never seen a report in the literature or from any other source of residual THC that high three days after someone stops using the drug, end quote. So, like, I guess it's possible, but, like, it's never happened before. (laughs) Yeah, come on. So that was fishy, and that sounds a lot like Everett's. Like, how is your, how are you ingesting a toxic level of meth two days late? Like, or if it's so much, how did you ingest it and then not die for two days? Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. I'm not even going to 
I'm not even going to disrespect Google like that and be like, can you be high on meth for two days? Because <laughs> yeah. like, we just are just like common down. sense <laughs> already knows you can't ingest a fatal amount of meth, wait two days and then die from it. If you ingest a fatal amount of anything, you're not dying two days later. Yeah. Maybe not anything, but like that's where my brain's going right now. It's no. So let's talk about Everett's final day and more specifically, like the last hour or two of his life. So allegedly he came into jail and according to them, he had already ingested this lethal amount of methamphetamines. So the day after he turns himself in, he's seen in the medical unit around 7 a.m. And they notice that he has bruises on his elbows and fingers. He tells them that he slipped and fell in his cell. The next day, medical personnel went to Everett's cell to check on him, like do a little welfare check, 3.40 in the morning. According to their reports, that's real. I mean, I don't know if they were called there for a reason, but it's 3.40 a.m., they go in there, and Everett was kneeling behind his cell door, and he had propped his mattress up against it. So, like, he's behind the door, and, like, the mattress is, like, covering him in the door. He was, quote, reportedly rambling, incoherent, and did not respond to the medical staff, end quote. Like, a healthy, non-drug user is not just one day. I'm going to... Something else has to be going on. And they said, and I mean, they did two autopsies. They found nothing else going on with him other than meth. So a bunch of bruises and a bunch of bruises. And after that happened, they took his mattress from him. They removed it from the cell. So two days before he comes in, they're alleging he's already high on meth. He's agitated. He's suicidal immediately. So they put him in solitary confinement for some reason, two days later, He's seen hitting his head against his cell door at 4 a.m. on the video footage. So, like, right after the medical staff takes his mattress, you can mm-hmm. see him on surveillance banging his head against his cell door to the point where he's leaving blood on the door. So, he is, like, sl- You can see it on surveillance? That's what they're saying. So, the autopsy would, would reveal that he... The autopsy would reveal that he cut and punctured the back of his head doing that. The back of it? Yeah, so... I don't know. Some stuff's weird. The stories you tell me always make me feel like, oh, I'm not. And then I want to try it, (laughs) and I'm like, well, maybe don't. Remember? Okay, so in the Jonathan Luna episode, they're like, he stabbed himself between the shoulder blades, and while Jasmine (laughs) and I are recording, we're like trying to hit (laughs) ourselves between. Like, how did he do that? So I don't know. This this is definitely more possible than Jonathan Luna's. Yeah, but but it still seems suspect. Yeah. So according to reports, after he's banging his head against the door, some officers come in to try to subdue him. They order him to lie down and put his arms behind his back, but he did not comply, allegedly, and was tased twice. So five officers enter his cell. Everett is one man. He's in very good health. They need five officers to come in and subdue him. And they have He's what... He's a bodybuilder. Yeah. Little wimpy cops, might be. Oh, that's not true. Oh, cops, yeah, but they might have... They might have been wimpy cops. Yeah. So what's... They have what has been described as a 19 to 23 minute long scuffle with Everett. And during that... 20 minute scuffle? 19 to 23 minutes. That's so Everett was, Everett was holding his own in this fight. So during that, they said Everett kicked and bit the officers who were trying to restrain him. They handcuffed his wrists, put a hood over his head to keep him from biting them and spitting at them, and then lifted him into a restraint chair, put on a lap belt and leg restraints and hand restraints on him. 
So remember that I said there was video footage. Yes. So the surveillance says you can see him bang his head against the door. But the coroner stated that it, quote, the video footage, quote, did not give a clear picture of everything that the officers did to restrain Mr. Palmer, end quote. So is the angle weird? Like, I, like the camera shows Everett hitting his head, but doesn't show the, the full picture of this 23-minute scuffle? So is it a reliable video or is it not a reliable just video? A snippet of a video? Yeah, yeah. That doesn't incriminate them or make them Or is it because there's five people and it's crowding a small cell and that's why you can't really see what they're doing? Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's really mysterious. But yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's just vague. So at some point, before they put him in the restraint chair, they pinned him against his bunk using a tactical shield. Jeez. So like, just leave the guy alone in the cell. I don't know. Because he, they don't, because he was banging his head. But they could have just like handcuffed him or something or Give restrained him. Back him. his mattress. Maybe that's what he's They're pissed right about. In yeah. Front of the door. I yeah. Don't know. Yeah. Was he hurting anybody putting the mattress again, or is that like a, some kind of hazard? I don't know. I don't know. They probably I'm, have some kind of protocol. We don't yeah, know. Yeah. They're doing. But, they're doing stuff. But either way, he's flipping out in a cell, and it may or may not have been caught on surveillance. So, so he's taken to the jail's infirmary after this scuffle. And they said that his eyes were still and leaning to the side, whatever that means. Like, I don't know. You just did something that looked like it could have been <laughs> Okay. Yeah, oh, okay. Like, a, like a little spaced out. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. So, so in the infirmary, CPR was performed and they did one of those AEDs, heart machine, you know, try to jumpstart him, I guess. And after that, at 5.06 a.m., they take him to York County Hospital where, as you know, he was declared dead just before 6 a.m. Wow. His family said that they didn't talk to Everett at all or have any kind of a communication from him while he was in custody. The only thing they, like, the only communication there was was when they got a call informing them of his death. So he just goes to, like, turn it, to figure out what's going on with his license. And then the next thing the family knows, two days later, he's dead. He never called him once he was in, because he immediately went into solitary. Wow. So he didn't, Yeah. It's just like, hey, I'm going to go. a lot of things that just seem unusual. Mm-hmm. But at the very least, like, I don't know. If, if you're going to jail someone, I assume that's in waiting for them to have some kind of Like bond process, out or something? Yeah, yeah, go see a judge. Anyway. Yeah. So, like, I, I don't know. Yeah. He just immediately, I don't know if anybody's, I mean, you, I'm sure they have, immediately goes to notify and, someone. Yeah. At the very least, so they can try to bail you out. Yeah, but he didn't get that ready. opportunity because they immediately put him in a single, like, single person cell. Everett's mother, Rose, claims that the jail guards injected Everett with meth, beat, choked, and tased him, and then didn't immediately seek medical care that would have saved his life. But the forensic pathologist hired by her and the Palmer family doesn't agree with that. Oh, wow. He said that the coroner's office did a good job on the autopsy, and he doesn't believe that anybody in the county is hiding anything. He went on to say that he agrees with the coroner's determination about Everett's cause of death, being that he died from complications following an excited state associated with methamphetamine toxicity during physical restraint, but he doesn't agree with the coroner's finding on the manner of death. So they said undetermined, but the family's pathologist thinks it is a homicide. And I mentioned earlier that they were like, we've ruled out suicide, but we should consider homicide. Mm -hmm. And so they're saying that doesn't mean though that the guards intended to harm Everett, but he still thinks it's homicide. He told the York Dispatch, quote, I would be the first one to say that they never tried to kill this person, end quote. 
But York County Coroner Pamela Gay previously said that homicide just means death at the hands of another. It doesn't necessarily mean that crime was committed. So independent pathologist is like, this is a murder. This is a homicide. And the county coroner is like, yeah, homicide just means somebody killed you. It doesn't mean that they illegally killed you. Um, no, I, I, I cannot concur with you. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, like, because, yeah, you cannot intend to murder someone. But it doesn't make it any less murder. Murder yeah. or There are justifiable homicides, though. Right. Yeah. And there are justifiable homicides, but... It, but it, this is not it. Okay. Um, so, like, so, he's saying but it, it's, it's death like at the hands of another. Yeah, death at the hands of another, a lot of times does lead to some, at least an investigation. Yeah, uh -huh. it, some it, kind of criminal charges. Yeah, yeah. Or at least charges. just look at it to see if you want to pursue criminal charges. Yeah. So Don't just be like, yeah, murders sometimes happen accidentally. Yeah. Murders mm -hmm. sometimes happen and it is no one's fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is, yeah. Come on, Pam. <laughs> that sounds like a good soundbite <laughs> for a future sticker. Murder sometimes <laughs> happens and it's quote unquote no one's fault. So, false. We... <laughs> The, the family's hired pathologist said, quote, we don't believe he committed suicide. We don't believe that his death was accidental, which leaves one conclusion. In our opinion, they killed him, end quote. So then there's this guy, Nathan Lentz, and he's a professor of molecular biology at John Jay College of Criminal Justice in New York. And he said that after reading Everett's autopsies, that the meth in his system can only be explained by having taken it in jail yeah. which us not molecular biology professors sure. knew that so i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna be like you're right he said so <laughs> we were correct so this is normally where we would talk about theories but there really isn't many it's either ever came into jail high on meth and ended up harming himself and died as a result of the meth usage or Everett was given meth in jail against his will, maybe, and then died from complications from that. I don't think there's any way he ingested the meth prior to coming to jail and died two days later. Is it possible that, like... Nathan says it's not possible. Into... Oh, okay. Okay. I'm not making my own theory. No, what was it? Say it. <laughs> I was going to say, is it possible that they got into whatever the exchange between the police and Everett was... It got to the point where it was violent and it ended, and then they injected him with meth to give an explanation. Like, yeah, he was high on meth. I mean, I, don't, I believe you immediately do it, and like so much of it. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, I think it's possible. Oh well, I guess, but the, but the medical examiner saying, I mean, that's just because they're finding it in his system. Yeah, I mean, like it. Yeah, know, he didn't have a meth-induced heart attack or anything. He it said it was a complication from an excited state, so he could have been too high on meth, and it like did something else. No, that's what I mean. I'm saying, do you think they, like, kept getting into it with him? He died. Then and they need an explanation? Him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It could have been. It could have been. Yeah, they, they, the medical examiner, I don't think he'd be, like, in 30 minutes before his death, he got it. All they know is how much is in his system at that time. And Nathan here saying how much in his system at the time of death can only be explained by taking it once he's in there, not yeah. two days before. Yeah. So we don't know if they gave it to him as soon as he – they didn't give it to him as soon as he got there because that's still two days before yeah, he died. Yeah, yeah. So it has to be – That's another point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I can't see a, a logical explanation for giving any inmate meth while while they're... Yeah. Yeah. Unless it was like a CYA exactly. situation. Like, oh, he's dead. Yeah. We need some 
explanation. Yeah, we need to call him a drug addict and make mm-hmm. him make the victim yeah. the one that you distrust. Possible. Because to me, it just doesn't make sense that he came in high, that high, that much meth, and then didn't die for two days. That It's just so not... It's just about the paperwork stuff. There's yeah. no way he it's got just, for paperwork. Yeah, no. It's just... It's just not making sense to me. There's no... He had no drug paraphernalia on him he never he was never known to be a meth user but he was immediately put into solitary confinement he had bruises the day before he died the video footage in his cell is incomplete isn't like usable necessarily it doesn't show a complete picture um so how is it not showing a complete picture of the restraint methods but showing that he was agitated i don't know and i'm I'm not saying you know police again i i agree with that other corner was it doesn't necessarily mean they intend, intended yeah, it wasn't to. intentional. It wasn't malicious. Yeah, it wasn't malicious. But they, if he died as a result of the forceful restraints, that could have just been like he was going bananas and it got, I don't know. It doesn't, I don't think it's premeditated maybe. Right. But the, what reason do you have for giving an inmate meth? Again, I can only, I can only explain it by the fact that they were covering their butts. I don't know how he got it. I think he got it in jail. I don't know how he got it, but he was alone, so... Draw your own conclusions yeah. from that, folks. That's a wild story. Removing things like the throat is apparently common practice in autopsies, and it's like not weird to retain them for future testing. Mm-hmm. It's just weird that they lost track of them for a couple months. Like that's the fishy part. Um, I think he did die from complications associated with the methamphetamine, like excited state. So the question isn't his cause of death; it's how he got the meth and when. So, and like, to me, it can only be in jail. He got it in jail. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, only. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm in agreement there. Again, I'm not even going to dis- disrespect Google by trying to search it. How long? <laughs> if you if you inject a fatal amount of meth, how long does it take to kill you? Forty eight yeah. hours. Yeah, or could it just be really high on meth for two days? That's still those, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, but I, I think that definitely he got he he got it in jail injected. somehow. He got it in jail, but. How and when and by who is and and for what yeah and for what and for what? what reason yeah yeah and I'm also very confused about the immediate solitary single yeah, yeah. single person so that's weird and it just seems inhumane yeah those two things happening and if he was that bananas he should have been in a medical unit the whole time right I don't really know if they had necessarily if they were just pulling for jail I don't know what the separate. I've never been to jail I've been as a visitor but not as a... ne- neither have I but I think jails are less I mean outfitted. Because they're temporary. I don't know, like the Dallas County Jail is the second, I mean, this is an old statistic, so it might not be true anymore, or I might be misremembering, but it's like the second largest mental health facility in the state of Texas. Oh, wow. Yeah. Is that not a statistic that, we're not going to get down that road, but okay. So, on April 1st, 2020, so just a few months ago, Everett's mother filed a lawsuit in U.S. District Court in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, that named 36 defendants, including York County, 10 unidentified correction officers, and five unknown medical staff workers. Because it's only been a few months and we're in the middle of corona, mm-hmm. nothing's really happened with that yet. So maybe we will have an update for you guys in the future, hopefully at some point. Everett Palmer Jr. died more than two years ago, and his manner of death is still listed as undetermined. Mm-hmm. The family just wants the people or the person responsible to be held accountable. Normally, this is the time when I would say, if you have any information about the case, then this is who you should call or whatever. But this one's weird because we already know how he died. And it's kind of like the county investigating the county. And that's always tricky. tricky. <gasps> we vibing again. 
York County Coroner Pamela Gay said that the manner of death can be changed at any time as the investigation unfolds. So stay tuned. More to be determined, hopefully. Thank you for listening to Sideline Sleuths. If you have any comments or questions or just feedback about the show in general, you can find us online at facebook.com slash sideline sleuths. And if you haven't already had the chance, please rate and review the show on iTunes, Facebook, or any streaming platforms available.